And we're alive. Hi guys. Welcome to episode of the Jamfloss Fan Podcast. I'm your host David. And uh, yeah. Well, we, we really got away with that one. <laughs> we got away with that one. I mean, when how many times do I get to say that we actually took point took a point of Chelsea or got something from a game against Chelsea that we didn't deserve, you know? <laughs> we got absolutely I mean, I was talking about I'll give my thoughts on the whole game. So we're gonna do a gaming preview. And um, again, the recurring situation of the refereeing, the recurring issue of refereeing, it's always going to pop up and it's popping up. So in my big story today, I'll talk about the refereeing and then I'll talk about some transfer updates in the big story segment. But I'll talk about, I'll review all the games. There's a, there's a game today, the Monday Night Football, which Liverpool is playing today. But, well, I'm going to talk about that later. But anyways, yeah, so without further ado, listen to this episode. Okay, so let's start with the Saturday early kickoff between Aston Villa versus Everton. Now, um, this is the Gerard. This remember, there's this dab. Remember last episode, I, when I was reviewing this, previewing this game, I was saying that listen, this is like a, a mini rivalry, right? Because if you two sets of fans, though, there's a Gerard camp and the um, Lampard camp. The Lampard camp are usually Chelsea fans, and the Gerard camp are usually Liverpool fans. So each one believes one is there and the other. Which I think is stupid, but anyways, in terms of manager, man, in managerial terms, you know, this is a area that sort of trans, transcends into this. But now, um, I still feel I like won this game 2 1. It's really quite interesting that Everton are in big trouble. The fact that there's no striking option, I think Everton, you know, they should be out for a striker. Although they signed Connor Cody, it was his debut, Connor Cody, um, signed was his debut, Casco was in defense that day. But Everton just you know up front just didn't look it and Aston Villa clearly you know were able to just take advantage. Um goals from um Danny Ings and Emmy Buendia. It was 2-0 and then Onana came on and then I think um sorry, this guy has got an own goal. This guy's got an own goal, I think it's Cardin or something. Um Aston Villa scored an own, ended up scoring an own goal, which was 2-1 at that time. Could have been could have, but the funny thing was, Onana was the one who gave the ball away for Aston Villa to score the second goal to make it 2-0 and then Everton scored their own goal, it became 2-1, Aston Villa ended up winning this game, which wasn't really a surprise, um, cause at, I don't know, I think I expected Aston Villa to win, I don't really know, but this, the, the, the result of this game, you know, it sort of, it sort of puts more pressure on Lampard, not it took took pressure off Gerard, but it put a lot of pressure, some pressure on Lampard, but not as much as you would think. Because if you think about it, um, Lampard has um Cavalier out injured, striker is injured already. Obviously, lost with Charleston last summer, but sorry, they lost Charleston in this window rather. But you know, the fact that the the issues that they're staring at them in the face, and I'm not seeing them trying to go all out to try and get a striker, someone in the championship, you know, there's Bertin Diaz down there in the championship. Yes, ever team, I say, oh. At this stage, you need goals, and even wherever you have to look for goals, you have to find them because if you don't score goals, you don't win football matches. The game against Chelsea, the game that they lost one 0 Chelsea winning via penalty. In that game, they had chance. They 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 were, they were able to score at least if they got able to get into good positions and finish off chances. The same thing in this game. I think they need a striker. They need, of course, they look to the yes, they were poor. Of, although they didn't start a striker, they started um, McNeil. McNeil and um, this guy up front, but it just didn't look the part. They need a striker. The window is still open, and I would say they should try and get Bertin Diaz from um, Blackburn Rovers. I think Bertin Diaz would be good for them. 
then again, I don't know how Sina started from so far. But looking at the way his goals went last season, you know, they might need somebody like up front. They just need a figure up front to just help them, you know, get the goals they need. That's my own opinion from you. Yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, something like winning this one 2 1, who I think will be fine. But Gerard is, um, he has a breather for the meantime. Till Aston Villa will probably get back, get on a losing streak. Now, Aston Villa are probably in the market for a centre back. And their new signing, Diego Carlos, unfortunately, got an injury. He's going to be out for six months, according to the scan report this morning. He's going to be out for about six months, which is really disappointing. I feel sorry for him, though. It's really sad. But it is what it is, you know. It's one of all those things that happen, and now they probably have to go back into the market for the centre back. And so means Tyrone Minks is probably getting his spot back because there's a bit of um, rumbling about Tyrone Minks losing his spot. But now it's going to be probably him and his reconcile in the meantime till they get in a new centre back. So yeah. And next, next, and so that was early kickoff. Now the midday kickoff, yeah, three games, um, four games rather, if I'm not mistaken, four. Four games, yeah, four games, yeah, four games at the same time. So, or five, there was Southampton Leeds, Arsenal Leicester, Brighton Newcastle, Manchester City, Bournemouth, Wolverhampton versus Fulham. So, that's five games going on at the same time. So, I'll start with Southampton. Southampton joined this game 2 2, came back from a two goal, from two goals down to draw 3 2 2. Um, Joe Aribo, it's good to see, it's good to see a Nigerian scoring in the Premier League, always very good. And then um, Walker Peters scoring, making it 2 2. Two goals from Rodrigo for Leeds. Um, so Leeds have four points on two games. Well, it's a good result for Leeds, though. I mean, if you are, if you look at the way their season ended last year, and the way they struggled a lot, were losing games almost every week. I mean, they were getting hammered almost every other every other weekend. I think if you start, if you are saying, what about if you if you are a team that's really going to be in the that expected expected to be down in that fight, you expect to be down in that fight. It's very important to pick up points as early as possible when the season just begins it's very important to pick up points and kudos to Leeds for, for them. so they've got four points when their first game against Wolves and then they've gone this one 2-2 draw the next one here is Arsenal versus Leicester City Arsenal winning this game 4-2 I prefer Leicester to win but there's a worrying I think this is one I actually watched because I looked at the other games among all the five games in this kickoff this time kickoff time the Arsenal Leicester one was one that looked a bit more evenly matched compared to the others yeah Southampton was Leeds evenly matched but in terms of popularity meh but the Arsenal Leicester the Man City Bournemouth was clearly a breeze for Man City Man City put four past Bournemouth without even <laughs> without any stress Haaland getting assist um, I think there's even an own goal from Bournemouth from Lemar at least to make it 4 nil. but was another, you know what so I still feel like Man City, it was just clearly a separate it was just going to be a clean breeze for Man City <laughs> they really annihilated Bournemouth and then Wolves vs Fulham was a new new draw. Brighton vs Newcastle was a new new draw. So it was just straightforward. Now with Arsenal Leicester, I want to talk about this one. I watched this game. Now I saw I was thinking like, it's going to be a draw. Maybe Arsenal would score first and Leicester would equalize and then he might just call it a day. But a, but when you look at it, you're like, listen, this probably looks like another Arsenal win, home win at home to Leicester. I probably feel like, listen, let's say um, my mind. In this particular game, going to this game, my brain was telling me Arsenal was going to win this game. But I was thinking to myself, is there a chance that Leicester might you know, have enough on the day? Because prior to that particular game, in the midweek, there was um, there was this, there was um, in the midweek, sorry, there were um, reports that you know Leicester may not sign new players, and the reason why they are looking at trying to move players out, and then they forgetting the journalist's name, I've forgotten his name on um, Sky Sports, I was, checking, I was checking on Football Daily on Twitter, so he was saying that um, Leicester last season had injuries, 
so um that they're not going to sign getting new signings that they're looking at trying to move players out because and truly as leicester had a lot of injuries last season so they had a lot of injuries last season I remember multiple times when they were had to you had to field in awful sides because of injuries and so the conference probably the conference probably stretched them a lot so they're not in it this season though so they may not have those injuries we have just a league to focus on and that so so maybe say okay fine maybe my my um decision was only skewed towards skewed my, sort of made my decision made me say okay maybe it might be a draw it might be a draw it might be a game they might not really end up losing and i felt you know it's gonna be like, but kudos to arsenal because arsenal started like a house on fire in this game they really went at Leicester. I mean, went for Leicester's throat straight off the bat and were pressing. Obviously, kudos to Jesus. Jesus was really leading the press for for Arsenal. He was really pressing really high. They were running at... They were basically at the throats of, of Leicester. And first goal from Jesus. Fantastic. I like that goal. I really I like the sound of goals. They're very good people to watch, right? You see them. It's good about time. It was just like a delicate... Well, like a chip. But it was like... It was a curl. It's hard to explain. But I know what it means, right? So he hit it with his his foot, right? Side side foot. So it was like a pass. It was like a pass, right? But he lifted it over the front, then he just curled to the top corner. It was a very good goal. One nil up. And then a second goal from Jesus again was you no know, edge. It was a corner kick. Then he just from the edge of that, he just found one small space there and just headed into the net. Two nil up or in the first half. Two nil. Could have had a hat trick because Leicester defensively were all over the place. I mean, Johnny Evans. There was a, I remember the particular for the hat trick, potential hat trick that Jesus had that he missed. I was surprised that he missed that. I thought was gonna. I actually thought the net was gonna nest still. It was gonna you know shake. It was gonna shake you know very soon. So um, there was a pass right, long pass. Evans sort of backed off on um jesus and jesus had a free chance to win the ball by the time evans got close to him if jesus was ready with the ball guided the ball sort of spawned evans i had a one-on-one and evans couldn't foul him because it's going to be a red card and i'll probably say it wasn't dd that actually ended up defending that for leicester because he slid in he slid in last minute and sort of put off jesus and then for a corner so that's bring the corner and then it was two nil up already and it was the first half but this was i think at first half was 2-0 but this is what happened okay so i heard the first half was 2-0 i think second half starts arsenal two goal ahead which you know very well deserved could have even been four already ahead because i think they had chance after chance after chance and they were all over leicester but defensively leicester couldn't cope with arsenal for some reason i don't know why they couldn't dominate me they couldn't get a foothold in the midfield which was very 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 surprising now going forward going forward in in second half leicester came sort of came back in then they sort of looked a bit more threatening, you know. I, I don't know what the reason was, but I don't know if it was the system that Leicester adopted in the first half that sort of made them look really bad. Because the 3 5 2 clearly wasn't working. They were getting run, run ragged by Leicester, you know. I don't know why. I honestly do not know why they were really, really struggling. They were getting run ragged. So 2 1. Now it's 2 0 up already. Saliba scores an own goal, which is very funny because looking at how they were. <laughs> well, the, the thing was the pylon was, it was very expected that people make fun of him because. Arsenal fans sort of, you know, they've been live, they've been hyping him for the. If it's just after game week one, then game week two, off of preseason, so it's sort of normal, though. But you know, then when he scored, I don't go obviously. Twitter went wild, but that was not the point. Now, my, my, it's one, it's one thing I've noticed with Leicester, they have an issue. Is holding leads, they have an issue already. Or after scoring a goal, you know, being able to compose themselves because immediately they scored, that they got that own goal in. I think Jacques ended up scoring assist from Jesus. This is what happened, right? There was a cross. 
the keeper punched the ball down. The keeper couldn't save, he couldn't hold it, which is what he couldn't save it, and then he punched the ball down, and then Jesus passed to Jack and the empty net. 3-1. So immediately Leicester score. This you expect that Leicester would score and then they would hold the game down and try and you know reduce the pressure. This was the aim was when you get that one goal. You want to make it a bit more interesting. So your aim is to not concede another because you're most vulnerable when you score a goal. You're more vulnerable when you score. So you're trying to make sure you do not concede. And that's what exactly what Leicester should be more concerned with doing. And rather than doing that, the keeper couldn't hold the ball and then dropped and then 3-1. Which has already made their work hard. So now you're back two goals down, back from where you started. But and even when Leicester so Leicester changed their formation, they brought on Ian Achor, took off some players. So basically they went into a back four. You know, pushed some players forward, made some movement, and now they looked more threatening. They had less Arsenal on the back foot, and then they scored, which is Ramsdale making a mistake. The ball sliding through his arm, under his arm. Ramsdale made a mistake, which for me should have saved that goal. Jimmy Bison is near post. 3 2. Now, Leicester, all you have to do is keep your composure and hold on. It's 3 2. It's going to be an interesting last few minutes. Why not hold on? Immediately, they concede from Martinelli, <laughs> which the keeper should have saved that. I mean, I feel like you should say, and also nobody got close to Martinelli. Martinelli had his chance and then go four two. So it was just. But overall, in this game, Arsenal looked really good. But over, they look for good, good going forward. But I think there is still here and there. There's still some. There's still some chinkle. They still have some Achilles. They still a chink in their armor. There's still many other stuff in the back there that you are listening. You can still get at them because Leicester showed that once you get at Arsenal, there's a way there's, you can get at them. You really can get at them, and they are not really as defensively convincing as they're trying. To, a lot of their fans are trying to make people believe, which is not surprising though. Just isn't starting, but I, I think they can be got at. But for me, good win for Arsenal. Arsenal really did well in making sure to win because you can you can you can talk about Leicester being offensively all over the place. But there's one thing with Arsenal. Arsenal were able to make sure that they they got the goals immediately. Leicester scored, so it's very important. It's very important to because like way to destabilize your opponent. Your opponent scores, you just go back in and just score immediately to to just ruin the chance of them. Having that belief to come back into the game, I think it was very good for Arsenal to do that. But yeah, then with Leicester, they still have a lot of problems, man. You know, looking at that game defensively, they're really gonna have a big problem. I mean, their goalkeeper, they need a goalkeeper. I mean, the downgrade in quality from Schmeichel to this guy. I'm still wor- wondering why and how Schmeichel went to lead. lead sorry, OGC Nice. I'm honestly, I'm surprised because you know, if you look at, if you look. If you look at the goalkeeping of Ward, and look at the goalkeeping of, I mean, they, they, they are levels ahead of each other. It, I mean, the, the downgrade is so bad. For me, Leicester should be in the market for a goalkeeper because in that game, it just wasn't going. And I remember he was a goalkeeper in that FA Cup game they lost four. Was it four nil or four one to an a Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup? He was the goalkeeper in that game. It was, it was really really weird. It was really weird that you know they 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 just were just able to to just fall apart like that without even holding their own or anything. Offensively, I think they they probably have a system they can rely on. I mean, because I, I, for me, I do. I think tactically, uh, Rogers got it wrong by trying to make the, the formation he went with, the players he went with, the formation he went with, going with the three five, the three five two or three. Four, one, no, three, five, then one, one. I think it was Madison behind Vadi. Vadi couldn't get a sniff, right? Vadi was so shot down. We're bringing on here Nacho and Patsin Daka because the goal, 
that Madison scored was he had a chance to assist, right? Then he was able to cut in from the right. Then Dakar was able to, so they looked a lot more threatening. Madison was able to, I think it was changed to two up front, right? So Madison was able to get space. So from one day, I was you had the, this formation, when they switched that formation, they were able to pull us on their back foot. So like, why didn't you just switch this formation? Why didn't you start with this formation in the first place? Because, you know, you have the player, this is who your, what your players clearly suited to. You know, they have the players for it. Why not just, why don't you just play, go with this formation? But anyway, it's not really surprising that, you know, it's all when I, I don't know the option with the three at the back. Honestly, I haven't seen Leicester be successful with three at the back. I haven't seen them be successful at it. I mean, maybe they have, and I didn't really watch the game. But all the, every time I've seen Leicester play three at the back, they haven't really looked as convincing as you know you would expect. I think around one game they went to Liverpool away. I think they went three at the back and then they lost four nil or so if I'm not mistaken. So it's not it doesn't look like doesn't look like that for me. That they didn't really look very convincing. It is it's just it for me though. Do too much on the game. But yeah, Leicester have a lot of um, issues to deal with. They're not maybe as bad as most people think they will, they are, because you know. The players they still look good enough. They um, they still have a quite a good squad, quite a good team, and I can understand them not wanting to sign new players. So just the difference is they might end up staying on the same spot they finished last season because, I mean, if it, teams above you and below you improve their squad and you didn't really improve your squad, it's not really, it's not it's it's not rocket science that you might stay on. The, you're, st- you're technically stand if you don't sign, you're technically standing still. So football is always you have to keep moving forward. If you stand still, you stand still, you're going backwards. That's just what we do. The next game was between Brighton and Newcastle. New, new, a new, new draw. Um, Gimaresh had quite a poor game. I think he even admitted by his own standards that the game wasn't. He didn't really have a very good game. But it looked like a respectable point for both sides. Just gets it early and they just keep it moving. Then Mansi versus Bournemouth. I already said that. I mean, Mansi breezed through Bournemouth very easily. Then Wolves was a new, new draw. It was quite a quiet weekend with not much going on. And we probably thought it was going to be like till. Brentford face Manchester United. Now, the football world is enjoying Man United's misery. Let's be real. There's nobody, <laughs> nobody that hasn't enjoyed this, right? Take for example, look at Brentford and Man United. There's no way in hell Man United, Brentford would even dream of putting four past United. In fact, the last time Bournemouth had a win over Man United was 1938. Most of most of us weren't born. Most of our parents weren't even born. Most of, most of <laughs> Most of our friends were even born. I mean, you're looking. You have to go back to, um, let's say, close to. That's probably. If at the time that thing happened was more closer to World War One, World War Two, than it was to even primarily given starting. Primarily given starting in the first place. But that's how how, you know, surprising the result was. Bournemouth putting four. And I watched the entire game. Four new. Is there? Listen. I don't know if this is weird, right? But there was a part of me that was going to listen. I do sort of expect Brentford to to get to win this game though. This is not even a case of you know uh, this, but I really have this feeling that Brentford might might be able to win this game because United clearly don't have the the um, there's something about United that you just don't they don't really have it about them. So it sort of makes you wonder if they might be able to do it on that day. Clearly, look, I mean, yeah, they brought Ronaldo back to the fold. Ericsson, yeah, on paper, yes. How would I put it? Let's let's this is what I mean, right? It it wouldn't surprise me. Like the result didn't surprise me. Let's put it that way. If United ends up like, I won't really be surprised. Yes, they can beat Brentford. They have the tools and the minerals to do it. But I would not be surprised if they end up losing to Brentford. That's what I was saying. And for me, that's exactly what happened, right? Four new win. 
But United were very poor. I mean, they were very awful. And this this comes back to my point on Martinez. You know, Lissandro Martinez. Every football fan, and the, every football fan saw like, listen, he's what's his height? Five seven. I was like, as a centre back in the Premier League, this is gonna be a problem. Everybody was saying it, and people were telling us that. Somebody, I remember when I said it, somebody was giving me stats that in the RDVC, he won the most area area duels. I said, well, that's fine, but it's a Premier League. We all know very well that aerially, you know, when it comes to aerial duels, the Premier League, they have, that's one of the things that a lot of teams put in their hardened time to practice, to put in work to practice. So their teams will know, their teams will know their minerals when it comes to duels when it comes to headers things like that there are teams who just know their who they just know their minerals in fact they just to practice it very well so i was like you don't think this will be a problem against brighton lana said it lana said listen we have it they have a new signing that brighton won last week 2-1 last weekend we had they have a new signing we just asked some questions which is what they did you know they put in balls into this box institutions to make him more comfortable because you have bigger men in the box whether you like it whether he it doesn't matter if you can leap like a salmon there's always going to be a disadvantage at a certain point it's those points that will happen and martinez couldn't couldn't live with all of that and they were really going at him i mean brentford were, was it falling up in the first half already i mean first goal evan tony was like hurricane light it was just springing he was just doing and the goal was well deserved though defensively the first goal was um a, a poor um goalkeeping from david de Gea, and david de Gea was very very poor in that game which was um which is very funny it's quite a fall from grace because i remember when de Gea was being mentioned as you know among the best goalkeepers in the world you know things like that and then to to see that you know it's fall from grace recent weeks it's sort of um recent years rather well, I say disappointing because I mean, I don't know what caused it. I don't know what caused it, though, but it just looks, anyways, I don't really know what caused it. The fall from grace is just one of all those things you look at, ah, it's really bad. Because now a lot of United fans are saying, well, he, he just didn't look convincing. The first goal is fault. Then this, I, I think Brentford had a goal from set piece eventually. I mean, who was marking uh, this guy? He ended up scoring that one in the corner there. And then um, Boymo ended up scoring. I can't remember how it goes back. They're, all, they're not in the right order. I can't remember them in the right order, though. but it's only again. Now, after the first half was over, I think it was just all about United were just they took off um, Martinez and brought on Varane, and the defending was there was a clear difference in the defending, right? Because because I think United were trying to play build out a style where they would build out from the back and then they would want to, but everybody just knew and then Brentford pressed them really high on that and they couldn't even let them get breathing space because clearly this style wasn't working. Now, there's not really a lot to talk about in this game, or there's a lot to talk about in this game, though, but what I want to talk about from this, after this game, around this game is this way. I want to talk about United's situation. United is clearly the bigger story here between Bremen and Brentford. I mean, nobody saw this coming. It's probably the result of the season. Or less of the season, or the biggest shock of the season. It's not because it's not because Brentford won. It's because it's 4 nil. It's, it's 4. I mean, take, imagine, put your head, picture this, right? 2002, somebody told you that United will lose 4 nil in the Premier League. So Brentford, wherever Brentford went Premier League in the league table, league in the all the football league at, this, at that time, it is it is something that you or like, not even four years ago, not even 2002. Let's even go as far back as 2019. Tell anybody that Brentford would put four passes in it. Okay, fine, it was quite believable at that time because I mean only was very four. But but it still is not something that you really think about because Brentford were in the championship and 
they just didn't okay fine they were <laughs> they were really good at that time though but you get what i'm trying to say it's really a surprising result for united and not to united they have very big problems and the big problems they have is having to to take l's they have to take l's i'm talking about i mean take l i'm talking about on players and they have to take a structured decision on how they want to go this is on the structure they want to build on right now they, they, they had a plan with Ragnik, in my opinion because with Ragnik's plan it was coming with a six month staying for six months or the next season you take a two-year uh, kind of role where he has to reconstruct everything so the the signings going out and getting players going out and bringing in players recruitment side basically we're going to be their major surge um doctor surgeon who's going to take in time to you know to operate oh, basically i think they need open heart surgery right so to really do a proper operation of manchester united which is a very good very 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 good um decision right which is what you expected but surprisingly he left now even the last interview he made which is not even dissimilar from the one Mourinho did in 2018 which is that uh after that pick up game football heritage that football heritage um interview which is not very different press conference rather which is not very very much different the things Mourinho said in those games talk about the players remember when he said when they leave find out where they play how they play if they play you know it's not even really a surprise that you see a manager um a manager and it was very surprising like a manager who's really involved in the game who has done this for years xyz is telling football fans who are football fans who probably can't even kick a ball never manage a game in their life probably their best manager experience is football manager on their pcs and their phones telling a proper pro what he thinks and is wrong and all, that, and all the usual statements and all that unsurprisingly might end up getting l's in this so for me and then ragnik leaving well he just sort of just ripped out of their plan and threw into the bin which for me was very surprising if you have this plan follow through on it that ragnik is going to be your guy and so you bring in your um your your manager ten hag he comes in both of you come because the way their recruitment is going it looks like they don't have plans they don't have a plan i mean you're chasing frankie de young all summer and then you end up losing now you frankie de young is like listen i don't want to come and then you're going to rap adrian rabio and he links to anatovich again just showed that that these guys are very very confused they clearly probably don't know what they're doing they're just very very confused you know, and then you look at um okay fine let's leave that let's leave adrian rabio by the side Look at some of the, recru- the the players they're trying to get. Let's look at the ones they've already signed. Martinez and Malasia, the two ones they signed. Malasia didn't really like. I mean, it wasn't really, he hasn't really. He has looked okay, but he hasn't really looked convincing. As if you look at a left back, you know, he hasn't put him up there with the other left backs in the league. Is he really gonna cut it? He's not really gonna cut it that much. And that's where we. That's what I'm talking about with Malasia. Talking about with Malasia. Now, if you look at um, um, centre back Lisandro Martinez too, probably the same, the same issue. With Alessandro Martinez, right? Um, clearly, height is an issue as a centre back in the Premier League, and you know he's clearly struggling, he's clearly struggling with it. And people, are t- teams are targeting him. Teams are basically targeting him in the Premier League as a centre back. And for me, it's not really a surprise. So it's just the recruitment just looks like they just don't know what they are doing. It's all over the place. There's no plan. There's no structure. There's just nothing. They just stay up. They just you also move about doing things just on the spot no plan nothing not for me it's, not for me it's probably their biggest the biggest issue they they currently have in my in my opinion now that being said i'm enjoying their misery i mean if you go to secondary school i mean they were, they were very well when i was secondary school days every united fan they probably had the loudest voice they, they were 
Well, they had the loudest voice and they were very cocky back then. So I enjoyed their misery is fun. Many people became United fans via glory hunting. So they were the dominant team in the Premier League, always winning the league. And by virtue of that, they just had a lot of fans. And now they are stuck in the internal vortex of being a United fan and enjoy and having to go through this misery. <laughs> and all the years they've had those decisions go their way. I mean, it's everybody in the league is really enjoying <laughs> watching United suffer. <laughs> Which is not really surprising. I mean, generally, if you went to secondary school and um, well, not just secondary school, you grew up around United fans, rather, you know, you went to secondary school, secondary school with them, um, grew up around them, but wherever you encountered United fans, basically, you knew what I was talking about. And that's why <laughs> it is really funny to, to to enjoy it. But and for me, this is what I think they should do, right? Again, with Ragnik, they should have, they, they had a plan there and they threw it into the bin. It's gonna be a very long season for them because the way they are looking is just and with Ten Hag, it is looking like Frank the ball over again with Crystal Palace. Is that what it's looking like at the moment? I mean, check this out. If you look at um, Man United, um look at sorry, at Crystal Palace the Boa, it was quite the losing I think there was a other people in the league. There was this what was his name? This striker, forgotten his name. I think it's called a hat trick against them. They lost four Crystal Palace were basically losing every Every weekend, I think it lost their first four match, and Crystal were like, "Listen, shake hands, bye." And this again also sets a kind of um, precedent for Ajax managers because this is the second Ajax manager that's coming straight from the RGVC that doesn't look that's 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 struggling so far. Yes, I know it's early days, but so far, you know, these are valid points to raise. He's clearly struggling. I think the ball was the last one. I mean, think think about it. So that's why I was saying, listen. And then you think about the Ajax players who have played the Premier League and come to the league and they haven't really looked. So the, is, it, is it like it's a drop in quality in the Dutch league and it's sort of flattering the managers? Because see, two years ago, if you ask the average English football fan and ask them, um, who do you think do you want to get as a manager? I'll mean, I go, go back two years, 2019, 2020. I was watching a lot of football podcasts where like, listen, um, manager, who do you want as a manager of the Premier League? Oh, we got to go get Allegri. It was Allegri or Frank or... In fact, that's going too far. That's going too close, right? Let's go back. Let me, let me just. Is Allegri, the last one was Allegri and Tehaga. Let's go back. 2017, 2018, 2014. If you asked everybody who do you want as a manager of your club, they would say Frank de Boer. Frank de Boer was manager of Ajax, winning titles year in, year out. Frank de Boer was manager of Ajax. I think he was also Ericsson, right? I remember that time when Spurs were looking for a new manager. Frank de Boer's name was fans were like Frank de go get me Frank de Boer go get me Frank de Boer Frank de Boer is this he is a winner is that you know think about it in the most in the funniest English as impossible everybody was saying Frank de Boer Frank de Boer nobody looked his way now finally Frank de Boer ends up at Crystal Palace everybody's like whoa looks like we're all wrong about that one loses the first first four matches left that league I think went to Inter Milan eventually didn't really work out Inter Milan it was just a you know and then ended up back to now he doesn't really have you know i don't think he's managing i don't know where he's managing right now but i haven't really followed him but he's not basically he's not the guy he's not the hottest hottest cake he's not the latest flavor in town in terms of candy no latest candy flavor in the ice cream shop at the moment right and this is what happened so go back years from years ago 2019 you look at um um 2019 you have to check look at this guy what's his name um it was if you ask a football fan who do you want as a manager they would say Allegri or Ten Hag, right? <laughs> Probably, and think of it in the same English accent that I used to think about it. The the the, food, the YouTube podcast, football fan channel, um, 
match going guy who comes on YouTube and says, Oh, get me Allegri, get me, get me Allegri, okay, get Allegri, Allegri, Allegri is gonna come. And if you ask them, what's Allegri's style of play? The, the funny thing was, a lot of you who was actually cool actually calling for Allegri, 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 Allegri. The style of play he adopts is not the style of play most of you even like in the first place. So the fact that he was calling, okay, go get me Allegri, go get Allegri. Yes, you get Allegri. Then, <laughs> then what you complain about? Now look at Allegri at Juventus. Look at Allegri at Juventus. If you want Allegri, look at Allegri at Juventus. In fact, I think Allegri was one who sold Andrea Pirlo, Bentaco, and Colo. Look at the style of play Allegri at Juventus, and then look at Juventus fans complaining about the style of play. I think they finished for last season. So Juventus are really basically struggling, right? Now let's leave that by the side. Fast forward to let's talk about Ten Hag. With Ten Hag won the United Nine in the league. Everybody wanted Ten Hag some some years ago. Even sports fans, oh Ten Hag. Even last summer when Ten Hag interview, when sports didn't get in Ten Hag, a lot of people were like angry at Levy, you know. And I look at Ten Hag, everybody like, whoa, look at we're wrong on that one. So I hope you guys can see why clubs do not really take a lot of your opinions as seriously as you think you do. Because if you check, if because in as much as we can, as football fans, in as much as we can complain and talk about what the club should and shouldn't do, if we are being honest, if we look very closely at the way things are. We are wrong a lot more than we are right. <laughs> Far more than we are right. Even the club, even if the club is wrong, at least the decisions they make, first-hand information, they do the scouting, they do the interview, they are in the board meeting, they know, they know, they know, they speak, they speak, they speak. But eventually, you know, as time goes on, yes, the club will get things wrong sometimes, maybe here and there, but if you check out the ones I suppose the club have gotten right, compared to the fans have gotten wrong, gotten right, I mean, the, the blood water. In fact, Bruno Fernandes, for example, is one most recent one. So in a sports fan, like, Levy out, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not fully living in, okay? I was among the Levy out, so, the, but my point is this, right? A lot of fans are listening, oh, Fernandes is doing well in this league. And for me, I always had reservations about Fernandez's passing, Bruno Fernandez's passing. I always had an issue with, always had an issue with it. In fact, whenever I watched him, I was like, yes, this guy is scoring and he's assisting, but he's passing for an attacking midfielder that is very poor. Passing, whenever he ends the game, the passing stats are in the 70, 70 plus percent range. Most attacking midfielders, they are in around 88 to 90 plus percent. That's around the range you expect most attacking midfielders' passes to end up. Right, Ericsson's, Ericsson, De Bruyne, you know, that's where their passes, passing range is always at percentage on every game, yeah, have on average. Fernandez will be on some only percent. I was telling my friends, like, listen, Fernandez is, and I look at Fernandez now, whenever he ends, he plays a game and he doesn't, or probably because he's not the center of everything, he's not, he's not taking any penalties. I said, this guy don't play like a second striker. He's scoring, yes, but he's not, you know, impacting the game as you would think. He's probably more of a second striker than an attacking midfielder. Oh, people are like, oh, no, no. And now, look, time has proven. So, Look at Fernandez, you know, he disappears in big games. He isn't really a guy. Yeah, they got top four because of him, but okay. You know, he's not really a game changer. So look at him now. He looks very poor now that he's not really the center of everything. He's not really the, the go-to guy in the entire team. So it's it's just that kind of thing for me with with um with with these guys, with um, Christop, sorry, with um with them. It's just that's just what it just comes off as for me. But yeah, that's just it for me. But the Ten Hag thing, I, I think it doesn't. I don't really know if it's gonna work out in the long term for Ten Hag, because starting off your first two matches like this, I mean, losing and breaking two records that are quite unwanted. I think that's the first time when they lost to Brighton last week. That was the first time Brighton were winning at Old Trafford in a very long time. And now this is the first time you're even losing to Bournemouth, Brentford at all. In fact, at all. This is not even away or home. This is at all. 
this is the first time you are losing to uh, come on man doesn't really it's not really it starts not looking good and now who knows how the, ne- the next game is against liverpool well if bright if bright for pool four pass pass mine obviously it doesn't work that way though i mean Liverpool could end up winning just one nil or two one or even two nil or it might be like because it's a rivalry, the stakes are a bit higher. It's it's more like a derby, so the stakes are a, bit, are a lot higher, and you know you expect the player to come up. But then again, the United players that are currently there, they are not. They look spineless. They don't really look the parts. They look very. They don't really look like they're up for a fight. What if it happens? I feel. Let's just say in the sacred currently, people are saying. Um, it's probably gonna be. I'm looking at Brenda Rogers. People are mentioning Lampard, mentioning Gerard. Well, we have to slip this guy into that into that race too. Not because he's bad, but it just so far it's not looking like he's working out. I mean, yeah, I mean they could go to and Liverpool and turn it around and winning and just win the game, but it's looking very unlikely. I'm probably looking at how Liverpool completely had br- tore them apart last season, probably even the last two, last season, previous season. Look at the way Liverpool really really tore them apart. If you look at those those games. United were not, they were, they were better off, when I mean better off, in terms of mentality, in a better place, they were better off, in a better position. Right now, they're not. They're low on confidence, low in every single thing. It's, I worry for them against Liverpool next week, I really worry for them. Anyways, yeah, I think that's enough talking on this game. Yeah. With the next one, Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest versus West Ham, I'm very happy Tyrell Winnie is off the mark, scored his first goal. Even though even though the goal it wasn't aware of it, but it doesn't matter, they all count. Getting the first goal off your back sort of gives you that first goal, that's cloud, you know. And it was good for my FPL. <laughs> it's good for my FPL. Um one year win. West Ham missing the penalty. I mean West Ham were well let's say unlucky because they hit bar, missed chances, Henderson saved the penalty. Yes, Henderson was making saves. I mean West Ham Nottingham Forest got the win they needed and it was one new win. Really good win for them. Because I think they've got their first win in the season. Three points in the bag, very important. It's gonna be a long time. If you if you're just coming up from the bottom half of it, this of this league, it's expected it's really expected to come in there. like your aim is to try and stay in the league and these kind of points are very important in the long run for them. Yeah, and speaking of Nottingham Forest, they're about to sign somebody else. I mean they are basically signing almost everybody in their mama. How many sense are they gonna make? I mean they got a bit of the brought in Emmanuel Dennis. We might see Emmanuel Dennis, but it's good to see two Nigerians in that national in that team. They might have like a following of some Nigerian supporters, the way I see it. But in general, they might. But it's good to to, to, to see um that they send and then they might send somebody some people. So yeah, one year win. Congratulations is not number it. Now, this is the big one of the weekend. It's amazing how a game can sort of shift that because the bigger listen, up until 4:30 Sunday evening. The biggest story out was United just got torn apart by Brentford. United were annihilated. In fact, United were the talk of the town. The laughing, the talk of the town. The biggest story at that time. That was it. After this game, oh my goodness! In fact, everybody forgot about United completely. This game delivered on everything. Just as a starting at sports, this game delivered on every single thing possible in terms of um, in terms of the the. Um, it's a derby, so it's a derby. It's, nobody's friends. There's, there's always, there's always love lost. I'm not gonna say no love lost. Love is lost. Love is thrown into the into the wind. <laughs> there's always love lost in this game. Yeah, you know maybe the the players they know each other. I mean Sterling, Sterling and Kane know each other. I think Rich James, Brandon Austin and um, Ryan Sessegnon they know each other. So there's always their yeah, mini. I think Kukure, Kukure and Brian Hill they know each other because they're Spanish. I think they know each other from the under 21 with Spain. So. 
these people there are some people who know each other inside i think perisic and Kolibali know each other from syria so people know each other in those leagues in those inside they know each other still the fans don't care but the players you know everybody knows the occasion for it the managers and they really lived up to it so now we're starting to this game now i'm gonna start when we enter this game even though i played they're supposed to win training now inside me all like listen this is chelsea bro this is chelsea and last season we played against chelsea all four times we got beaten in all four games Last season was a disaster in general. I mean, we had Nuno, then Conte just joined in a month late, in a month's time. So, let's just say, within the time we lost, I think Conte, the three times Conte lost to Chelsea, if you look at those games, we had players out injured, then you look at, he just joined at the time, the score was in disarray. So, there was a lot of personnel issues, and we needed to make signings, we didn't really make enough. It was a mess. And there were a lot of conversations that, what if Sports had faced Chelsea towards the end of last season, if Sports had faced Chelsea during the last season, in those games, would um, the different the outcome would have probably been different from the one in January? Well, yesterday, it was supposed to go into 3 4 3, but Tuchel seems to have that the system that sort of neutralized sports yesterday because Son and Kane, especially Son, Son was so quiet. In fact, the three because Chelsea went with a hybrid of 3 4 3 slash 4 2 2 2 2 system. I think the way they, had, they were playing, I think one, one of the formation was in motion, one was for different ones to attack. And the system sort of allowed um, regimes to man mark Son. So Kane and Son couldn't move. And they were able to, and apart from man marking Son and keeping Son quiet, that style allowed them to outnumber Spurs on that wing. On that so what I mean is, I was seeing with Spurs, Spurs could be with the ball. It's only where Spurs try to build up attack. Because if you remember, um, a lot of the goals Spurs scored tend to come from that left hand side. Sassanion, you know, Son. So these are like the two more, you know, the right hand side doesn't really give a lot more of a lot of really offensive situations like that but defensive offensively a lot of sports goals coming and the spark between kane and song could really start from that spot so what i'm saying in essence is you know chelsea able to outnumber sports in those positions and you look at players would people will step up and chelsea were really very good at the dominant side that system made them really dominant and with that system, I think where I, I sort of had sort of through my head was listen, Conte isn't really known for trying to move away from his traditional 3-4-3 because that's tactic Tuchel switched to had. You know, it was a tactic that allowed that sort of it was neutralized sports, right? Completely neutralized sports. Sports couldn't get out of their their half. Chelsea were always outnumbering sports. I mean, Chelsea were able to press in certain positions. I think they had trigger points. I mean, Benta caught. They were not just themselves. They weren't themselves. Sports wearing themselves, they couldn't do what they couldn't do what they had to do. They just looked nothing like the game against Southampton on that day, which wasn't really shocking, because Chelsea. I mean, so the first goal comes from Chelsea, um, Koulibaly. Or they could have scored earlier, though. I mean, um, good save from Hugo Lloris from Havertz. Could have scored earlier, but the resulting corner, Koulibaly was free, and this is where I have an issue, because was it the kind of marking? I think it was the zona marking, and Koulibaly was free, and he just had a free run it was a very good fantastic goal and when he scored when he went to a slide a knee slide i mean this guy's a mountain of, of, a, of a human being man you know the way he tackle it was very oh my god it was just it was just it was a good goal i just couldn't have any words for it nothing more and good assist from korea so two of their signings that's 100 million pounds worth of gold because korea is 62 and but it was 41 so 100 102 103 million pounds worth of a goal but that goal was really good i like crosses like that and it was just able to meet the target and woo, Loris had no chance 
But my own is who was marking Kulibali because Son was very poor in that game. Son was really poor in that game. Who was marking? Um, who was marking Kulibali in that chance? In that position? I think Son was free. Son could because if you if you it's not because defending a goal is not all about uh, just blocking. It's about you know able to put him off because Kulibali had quite a similar chance again. Not very similar to but. But he shot. He had like a volley. Yeah, but this one went over the bar. He didn't really connect. It connected with like his his um his leg. The other part of his leg was that 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 um that place between your your knee and your foot. That's I don't really forget what that place is called. But that was the part he connected with, and so he went over the bar. He couldn't go in. But Chelsea were all over sports in first half. But the one thing that was that was key to note, Chelsea didn't really. Like in terms of, they don't really create a lot of clear cut chances. You want to make clear cut chances? We're clear cut chances in the sense that Spurs end up defending quite well. Yes, Chelsea were all over. Chelsea were playing. They were really pressing. But if you look at that first half, how many clear cut chances could I remember? I remember the, I remember the Harvard's chance. I remember the, um, I remember the Harvard's chance. I remember the Kulibali goal. I remember the volley here and there. But other than that, nobody could really tell me that oh, there was this. Chelsea chance that was clear cut that if they had scored it in the first time I'm talking about the first time I mean this was if they had scored it oh my god it would have been over you know there was just no much of that and that probably means that you're creating chances yes but which one was clear cut it's okay this was the one because the XG after the game was over the XG was quite similar I think it was like one point something they were, they were both similar this was like 1.88 like 1.75 it was very close despite Chelsea being a more dominant side and Chelsea being all over if they had a, a striker up front, maybe Chelsea would have been able to score and, you know, probably win the game and see how they in the first half if they had a striker up front. But they were very fluid. I mean, they were just playing, playing. Because it, they were playing the first half. Now, second half comes along and a lot of thoughts. And for me, I was thinking, you know, you would take off players because I was thinking the 3-5-2 would go adding Bissouma to pad the, to bring up options because Spurs were clearly outnumbered in midfield. I was thinking, are you going to take off um, this guy and bring in Bissouma to just... Add a bit of body in the midfield. I'll probably bring on Richarlison anyways because Richarlison clearly is up for a game like this. Because the players on the field, they just didn't look, apart from being neutralized, they just didn't look up for it. I mean, they were chasing shadows, just they were just poking the ball around. <laughs> it was just it was that difficult. But the substitution of Richarlison was very important, important, and because even the system, like I said, the system neutralized sports. Now sports switching to a four-four-two was very good because it was able to sort of free up the players and it was like it was just a very smart tactical but it was just a game of tactical battles in my opinion you know because that game it just it just wasn't one where you would say okay this player is there but it was just a game of tactical battles and tactically sports were able to get himself back to the game by changing to a 4-4-2 to bring on Richarlison by Richarlison coming on two up front you had Kane on the left sorry you had Son on the left then you had um on the right out of the wing was Kulusevsky the midfield two was Hoyberg and Bentacord, and the back four, a flat back four, because he took off Sessegnon and brought on Richarlison. A flat back four, right back was um, Emerson Royale, centre back pairing of Davis and sorry, Romero and Dyer, and the left back was Davis, so it was a back four and Lloris. Back four for two, basically, four for two. And sports looked a little bit more different. Although Richarlison came on, trying to get into the game, lost the boy a bit, but that wasn't really much, but he looked to get fighting, but he added a bit more um bite to the attack because swords were just toothless up front yeah although Kane had one clear chance in the first half which is why i remember i just remember that clear chance so even despite the fact that chelsea were dominant first half sports they had some clearer chances than chelsea in that first half yeah, but back to my point so the second half there the sports scored get an, got an equalizer which 
um, kudos to the channel for me. It's false in channel formation. Sports had no chance in that game. So for uh, if you check, so what am I saying? Hold on, please. So when Spurs attack, now there was a tackle, it was still 1 0 up at that time. There was a tackle from Ben Tackle. Now this is where the de- there's a debate about whether that was a foul or not. Depending on the angle you look at it from, Ben Tackle won the ball in one angle. Another angle, it was a foul. It looked like a foul. And Anthony Taylor didn't give the foul. So it was very which was which led a debate. Oh, they already outraged at him. And then there was a chance. Chelsea won the ball back. So was, the goal that Spurs scored was a different phase of play entirely. Right, so Jorginho was about to clear the ball, he lost the ball in the penalty area, and then there was an assist. Was it who has who, somebody passed the ball to Hoybeer? It was a very good goal from Hoybeer. Straight in, I like this kind of goal. Don't get, I love it. It was very good to see. One one. Now the game is back. Spurs are looking, you know, back into the game. Now Spurs, there was a very good cross on Rich James again. Rich James is somebody that I am a fan of. You know, it's I've always when I was to read to first time I watched Rich James was. Chelsea versus Leicester. Yes, he was alone at Wigan though, but I think Chelsea versus Leicester in the FA Cup. This guy was just putting in crosses. Jesus Christ. That guy has in his locker. The crosses were so good. Very dangerous, right? That you could turn it, you could turn it to the net for an own goal. That was how good the crosses. The crosses were against Leicester. And nobody was putting in the crosses, turning them into goals. Nobody was converting those chances. Now, fast forward to um, that particular chance they had. There was a cross. Havertz hit it wide. It was... Um, was um was still one at that time. Now Chelsea scored the second goal. Now how did the second goal come in? They scored the took the lead again. How did the second goal come in? Come about well, um back to Chelsea's um press, you know, this was S Kulusevsky. This was S Kulusevsky. Kulusevsky um then they won the ball and then Rich James scored. Now everybody wants to is normal oh let's blame Ben Davis for that. And and the funny thing was this right it, it was a back four at that point. They're trying to build an attack. Again, I think it was I think it was very unfair and harsh. But there are many fans who do not like Ben Davis, so I get it, and they will never ever like him, which I understand. But sometimes you just don't have to just blindly say, "Oh yes, it's Ben Davis and Dyer, it's their fault." We can't really just blindly do that. Come on. So you're trying to build an attack. If you're trying to build an attack. Surely you'll be disjointed, and that's the reason why there are certain teams who go out and try to press high on the high up. They try to press high. To win the ball because they know you are trying to be an attack, you are disjointed. If you're, you're, you're just not yourself, you're in your normal shape when you're trying to attack. And that's what happened. And that's what happened there. Re- there was nothing they could have done in that chance. Kulusevsky lost the ball. Maybe you could argue that somebody could have, somebody else should have done something else. Maybe that's the whole debate. But blaming the centre back, that's I think, was a bit unfair because they were outnumbered. Rich, if if now with where Davis was, if Davis was close to Rich James, Sterling would have a free run to go and he would score. If you told with Davis, so trying to close out Sterling and then Rich, it was a very good finish from Rich James, scored the goal. That was very calm. Wherever he put in that ball, all he had to do was stay calm. Loris didn't know where he was going to play. All he had to do was stay calm. It was just a guess. It was just like a toss of a coin. You know, nobody knew the one that was going to ha- go in. But that was what he looked like for me. But it was just, it was disappointing though, 2 1. Now, 19 minutes is over. I was thinking, oh my god. Now, the substitution was cool. Sports changed back to a three at the back. I think Ben Tackle came off, and then um, was it Royal came off? Became a, became um, as another wing. Emerson, sorry, what's this guy's name? Um, Lucas came on as another right wing back. Left wing back was Perisic. Now Perisic came on in that game. Fast forward, so Sports switched back to a three at the back, and it looked better again. Now fast forward to um, 
there was a chance a corner kick which was very poor from Perisic, which was very very surprising. But this is why I'm surprised. Perisic's right, Perisic's right foot is not really the right foot then because the cross from that corner was very poor. It just didn't beat the first man. Just were able to deal with it very easily. Now the corner on the other side, which was where he was able to play for his left foot, was very important. Now again. Looks like this is why we need Perisic to start against Wolverhampton Wanderers, right? Because the, the, his, his left foot is so illegal, right? Because the cross for that goal, the first cross was a good. It was very good because Ben Davis headed the first one, and there was a save from from Mendy. Although there was a head pull, in the, I was talking about that in the big story segment. There was a head pull for on um, Korea. Still that one overlooked, and then Villa and then now the corner again it was two good crosses. Second cross again, that was one. And the way that cross was so delivered, any of Kane, Richarlison, or um, Lucas could have scored any scored that goal. Because Kane was with the ball, headed it, came off James, but who cares? Goal. Now Kane is 194 goals, tied with Aguero Fort in the all time list, Premier League list. Goal. So it's 2 2 equalized. I mean, listen, I went wild. I mean, don't get listen. No matter, all, all the celebration police was trying to tell me. Oh, you celebrate like you won the game. I don't give a damn what you think. I don't care. Listen, we had no chance in that game. In fact, how we got a point in that game, I'm really, I'm still surprised. We had no chance in that game. In fact, we were really dominated from start to finish. And, you know, in general, then if you look at, even though the, the XG tell a different story and the clear cut chance tell a different story, because Chelsea didn't have a lot of short targets, right? Even though those things tell a different story, in general, sports when the inferior side in that game, Chelsea were really very good in that game, they were very good. So, if, if you told me, told me that we'll get a draw, in fact, in the first half, somebody told me that, David, you'll get a draw now, I will take the draw, if we're not even, I'll take the draw now and close the game, some people will even be happy, some fans will say, let's just take a 1-0 loss and move on, some people were, were cool with that, you know, but, with with Spurs, it was just it was just funny that you know a lot of fans are telling us oh we should celebrate. Arsenal, why should we not celebrate? I mean, didn't Arsenal celebrate a diamond go against Crystal Palace? Why should we celebrate ten minutes ago? Two two. So I mean, I went wild. I was happy. It was very cool. Very good. Not every day you go to Stamford Bridge and still <laughs> and, and commit robbery. I mean, let's be real. We, we didn't we didn't get anything. Like that game was basically Spurs just finding a way out. You know, just dug in and got something. Else. But the souls are very good. Richarlison changed the game. Perisic came on, you know. And this is another thing we're talking about with that bench. Very important. With that bench, when we talk about the bench, the importance of that bench is that we get to see games like this one is not going our way. They can come on and try and tilt it towards our direction. And that for me was very important. Yeah, very controversial game. We'll talk about all of that in the big story segment. There's a game later today. Liverpool versus Crystal Palace later in the day. Obviously, I'm going to watch that one. It's football. I mean, I love it. I love this game. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the end of this um, the Premier League roundup. So we'll go to the big story segment and then we'll talk about the refereeing decision. We'll talk about referees just in general. Stay tuned. Okay, so now this is referee segment. Let's talk about referees now. Big story today. Now, think about when you're playing football, when you're growing up. And... Um, how many of you want to be referees? Raise your hand. I'm sure nobody's raising their hand right now. Yeah, maybe maybe the odd person, but you're looking at one. I mean, the probability of it, in fact, I'll keep from my own experience. In secondary school, who wants to be the referee? Everybody's like, nah, no way, not me. When even when you you know when you do that, when everybody selects for five a side or six a side or whatever, when everybody wants to select players they want, 
and people select, select, select. Whoever is left is told to be the referee. That guy is always like, nah, I'm not. In fact, he's, he's a reluctant decision that they force you to do. Or we end up officiating it by ourselves. You know, everybody just agrees that this is a foul. You know, so it looks like a kind of refereeing. It's more of like democracy that we end up voting which one is. So when we play, even if there's no referee, we vote, end up voting that, oh, this is a referee. This is a foul. If three persons agree and one person disagrees as well, it's going to be given. So that kind of thing, majority wins the vote. So even in those days, there was nobody who was willing to be referee. Fast forward to now, everybody's complaining about Premier League referees not being quality, quality referees not being not being there. I want to ask a question. If you, if you're complaining about quality referees, have you ever complained about the quality of footballers having a shortage? No, because why? Quality footballers really, because everybody wants to be a footballer. Everybody wants to almost everybody wants to be a footballer when they're growing up, right? Almost everybody wants to play the wants to actually play the game. People who are who are playing sports, they will never be shortage of them because they are players who just want to play. They always be players. But people want to be referee. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to be referee. In fact, there's nobody that knows somebody that aspires to be a referee. I'm that bold in making this statement. And that is why, whether you like it or not, is in fact, in fact, in fact, back then, the worst player is who we normally see as a referee. The worst player we see as a referee. The worst, and he reluctantly does it. <laughs> I'm not saying that all the referees are end up becoming referees. They maybe it might be the case that they might be that they were not the best one on the pitch. But I'm saying that in general. A lot, of, a lot of times when you complain about quality of referees, you have to ask yourself how many people are actually going to the game want to be referees. Imagine if the Premier League is like this, I want to imagine this, right? If the Premier League is like this, where referees make wrong decisions and then they get abused and caught every single name under the sun, imagine that it's like down, down, down in the seventh division, seventh division in Premier League, where and of the league in general, sorry, English league, where you know fans are closer to the referees, they're not as much protection as you have when you're in the Premier League. That's one. Two, imagine, think about other leagues. In fact, in Nigeria, for example, in the Premier League, there was a time when, ref- I mean, referees get attacked. <laughs> referees get attacked for making decisions in a game. When you think about all these things, I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Are you really surprised when you see some decisions like this? You shouldn't be surprised if you're not, because not many people don't want to be, most people don't want to be referees. So whatever you see, you take it that way. How many people, are, it's not, it's this, it's not very really encouraging. How many six, you get on the pitch and then you become a referee. Fans try to put you off. They call every name. Imagine putting a 19-year-old kid. Say, oh, you want to be a footballer? He doesn't. All his friends are kicking the ball. He's the only one that wants to be a referee, and he gets abused every week. If you're a footballer, yeah, you get abused as a footballer, but you sort of get away with a lot of things as a footballer. So that's why I never really worried much. Sometimes some, this is I stopped. Let's just say when I thought about these things like last year, I thought about like, listen, I don't really think it's something that we should really worry about. If you're thinking there are not a lot of quality referees in the league, maybe it's time for you to go about. Maybe they have to try and work out encouraging people to become referees, right? Because if you think that the ones are very bad, you have to encourage people that to come in. And everybody says other oh, leagues are not this bad. Well, the reason why you think other leagues are not this bad is because you don't watch other leagues every weekend. If you watch other leagues every weekend, you would you would say that refereeing in other leagues are also very bad. The refereeing in the English league is very bad, it's below standard. Yes, because they are under the, they are the ones who have everybody watches, the ones who everybody sees. So every single thing is picked out on more than any other thing in the freaking in the world in the freaking world it's just it now on that on that game with chelsea the chelsea sports game right i've always said football fans are hypocrites every single football fan you can think about is a hypocrite okay everybody's gonna complain oh referee is out to get me but never forget games where that same referee officiated and they had no issues and they won those games another thing i want to say is this right in that chelsea versus sports game chelsea should have won that game if you had attack, in fact, you won't even have to worry about. You won't even have to worry about officiating. I've thought about this myself. Think about all the games that you that every time I talk about games where sports played and officiating wasn't very good. I thought, listen, 
his spots were actually very good in this game. They would not really care about his referee that much. In fact, you know, yes, there were games where teams are lucky and all that, but if you think about it, there are games where you would play officiating because their game officiating might not be good, but you won't care because your team was just so good that the officiating didn't really go, it didn't not really affect them. Yes, we want better, we want quality, but Everybody, everybody saying we want fairness and consistency, but everybody remembers that when it's against their squad, nobody wants to be fair and consistent when it doesn't go when it goes against them. Everybody wants to be consistent when it's against them. I remember very well was it last season Chelsea beat Newcastle, was it one year? Newcastle had a penalty, a valid cover. In fact, if you say that um, it was a tackle, fine. The shirt was pulled. Was it Trevor Taluba that pulled this person's shirt? And what happened? It wasn't given as a penalty. I'm not heard any Chelsea fans to this very day talk about how consistency and should be fair. But everybody's like, oh. Anyway, back to the game. What I was saying. So, in decisions making, the first one being um, the first one that Spurs first scored a goal. The first goal, people said Richarlison was offside. And that was very much debatable because you know we're saying why Richarlison was blocking the line of sight off Mendy, which people were talking about. Now, why I say that one is debatable is this, right? If you look at um, Richarlison's position, it was far from Mendy. And they said Mendy was look, trying to look around Richarlison for the ball. Mendy didn't really complain after it. Now, one of the things that if you're playing in the pitch, not the, the Chelsea players really complain. Now, if you're playing football, obviously the players will purchase the referee. And I can argue that maybe the referee should not have had to do that. But that decision is a lot more debatable because why well, he was quite far from Mendy a bit. Did he interfere with play? Well, did he touch the ball? No, he didn't touch the ball. Now you say whether he interfered with play or not. That's a different conversation entirely. It's not. It's did he touch the ball? That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, he didn't touch the ball. If he thinks an offside or not, that's debatable. Whether he thinks an offside or not, personally, personally, right? <laughs> personally, I look at that chance again. I'm like, I think we got away with one here because listen, if I, if that was against me, I'll probably be upset because it's you know, was it? But but yes, but how much do you think he was actually obstructing the line of sight of Mendy? Because people say he was running line of sight of Mendy. How much of it was was he really obstructing? Yes, Mendy. Anyways, that's just it. And then for the second goal, yes, there would have been a foul for Mendy. And I, I've always, I've told everybody, I agreed. Listen, I've agreed. I've agreed. If that, in fact, the two goals that Spurs scored, if that was against Spurs, I would be upset. If, if, if Chelsea did that against Spurs, but it's not really a surprise because Chelsea have done things like this where they favoured. So I don't understand when people when, whenever people talk about officiating, poor officiating, right, in games. I know people always, I always say this is even itself out. It will even itself out. If you if you have decisions in these games that go against you, that, that, that went against you, it will even itself out in another game. It will it will even itself out. And you know, it's it's more of like this is you just look at okay, the fate of the world. If you look at the way the world is set up, you know, plus or minus. I mean, sure, you can be so good that it might not touch you that much, but eventually. You know, maybe years later or so, you might forget, you might just sting you, and that's the way it works for me. It's just, it's just like the universe just say, okay, fine, let's this happen, let's balance it here. Because <laughs> I've said it before, you know, at, when I made that example last season where the Newcastle should have had the penalty, didn't. I remember 2012, was it 2012 or 2013? I think it was 2012, FA, or 2011. FA Cup semi final, Spurs versus Chelsea. Chelsea scored a goal that didn't cross the line. It didn't cross the line, it did not. It was given as a goal. Didn't cross the line. It wasn't cleared. It was Christian saved it. It was cleared. It was given as a goal, two one. So that, that, that it was one nil. It was one nil at that time. So Chelsea would have been. You were still in the game. Became two nil, and that time Spurs obviously able to fall. They just fell apart completely, and then they just lost. End up losing five one. But yes, the result is not the debate here. It's about the decision there. There are games when Chelsea have had decisions go their way, 
no Chelsea fan here remembers it. No Chelsea fan in this remember who's listening to me remembers all these decisions. Don't remember the ones that go against them because I said that if a football fans, every football fans are hypocrites and very selfish because everybody wants decisions that goes their way. Nobody wants to really talk about the ones that never go their way, and that's what I'm seeing here with with the reaction to that officiating yesterday. Officiating in Premier League is are you gonna debate whether it's bad or not? Well, that's for you to debate. But me, I stop like I said earlier, I stop worrying about it when you know when fans. When when I thought about that, I listen, I maybe want to become referees in, in real life. You know, if, if we're talking about the poetry of referees that is very, very being very poor, many people don't want to become. Maybe want to become either managers or footballers. Nobody wants to become referees. So what you see is what you get. This is probably the effect of people not wanting to take up that career choice. And yes, you're fine. You can say I don't I don't have to do it. Well, somebody has to do it, and that is somebody that is doing it. If you think it is really bad and it's not really, if everything is awful, is you know, this is what it is. And then there was an incident that happened between Conte and Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel, Tuchel um, which they got a yellow card while in the game. I think it was first episode. It was 1-1. It was 1-1. Um, when the sports caught equalized, maybe 1-1. There was, was an issue in the game there. And um, it was a yellow card to brandish a yellow card to both of them. Now, when the game ended, I was now when they said they got a yellow card, I was like, this boy is going to get sent off. <laughs> because <laughs> the way that game was going, both of them were clearly on the edge it was very obvious that they would get sent off now the game ends this is too much Tuchel. in fact the red card is too much Tuchel's fault in fact in, for me i'm not sure about that Conte got sent off it's like this right you get attacked by somebody and you defend yourself and you end up getting arrested too like person for, for self-defense you didn't just fold your hand and let yourself get get bullied which is very surprising and then people were telling me that Conte shouldn't have should have been respectful why should he be the one that should be respectful hmm? why don't you tell the guy who was trying to to bully him or so you know because i after the game ends, now Conte shakes his hands. Now the game is over. Conte shakes his hand and wants to go to the fans, you know, to greet them, right? Tuchel holds his hand, <laughs> really shakes his hand, holds his hand real tight, and then you like look, tends to say, look me in the eye. You know, if you watch um, Captain Philip, right? The the that movie about him um, when pirates overtook a ship. Now the the pirates who to, who who, abduct, who went on the ship who, um the guy when he said look at me now i'm captain that is exactly what came to my mind look look me in the eyes i'm cap- look at me i'm captain now <laughs> you know that's exactly what came to my mind you know country was, like, was like you leave me alone you leave my hand took your held his hand really tight you know shook his hand so everybody went in and the do everybody ran into the ran into the um into the with them and then separated them so the referee just gave put on a red card which was very weird and I think sports will appeal for appeal. Now imagine two uh, Conte's red card gets rescinded at <laughs> because now Tukel is at risk of getting banned because he had the most number of offenses in that game that he committed. Now imagine Tukel gets banned and Conte's red card gets rescinded. It would be very funny. I would like it would be so 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 funny. <laughs> it would be so funny. But <laughs> listen, I agree that maybe some. I agree that like I said in general. Eh, the, the goals that sports scored, if they were scored against, if those things happened against sports, I would be equally upset with Chelsea as Chelsea fans. Uh, but if I look over the years about the games that sports have played against Chelsea, that Chelsea have benefited from dodgy decision against sports. I'm like, nah, I don't feel sorry for Chelsea at all. I do not because I know their fans would, how they would feel, they would feel if, if they had decisions in this game that went their way. If those decisions went their way, they would be celebrating. They would never even say anything like that. They would, in fact, they would be telling us that it is not foul. It is not decisions were very valid. So, and I heard they are doing a petition. I think about 10k. I think an hour, 10k or 15k signatures already at that time. I'm like, nah, bugger off. You guys are not serious. But yeah, Tuchel could be in trouble. He made comments about the referees. Referees, um, 
they sort of accuse him of being biased, you know, and then I think the FA will look into that. So to probably, probably get reports on that by the end of today. But um, yeah, yeah, that's just it for me. With referees, yeah, I'm ready to see more of it though, because I, I think if we talk about poor officiating, then VR, then again, another thing I want to talk about, people are talking about Mike Dean, that Mike Dean is a sports fan, which is a very big lie. I think people will say anything just to. I remember with a period when everybody was pushing the agenda that Mike Dean was a sports fan, was a sports fan because there were some games where he would make a decision and know that there was a game when sports played at Stone Villa and Mike Dean gave it. He played an advantage and then he explained that he sort of celebrated because he gave an advantage and then they said he was a sports fan, right? After that period when this thing was moving around, Mike Dean started making decisions that went against sports, right? Sports fans, what, what I mean, decisions, very weird decisions, right? That whole agenda quieted down for some time. Remember not alone Derby, I think sports lost that game soon, right? That was um, sports last now. Vengas, Vengas last year, if I'm not mistaken. Sports. In that game, I think sport there's some dodgy decisions that happened in that game. In fact, even in general, if you look at some other games, so sports had some decisions. Even the game against Burnley in 2019, when Poch got sent off, sports of Magdine had dodgy and Magdine sort of pissed him off. So basically, sports were in very, very big. They had decisions. So sports are making now because yesterday everybody just they pulled the agenda out of their out of their out of nowhere, out of the rabbit hat, a rabbit hat now, which is very surprising. But then again, not, nothing surprises me. It's just I think everybody's just trying to deflect attention away from the main the main issue that listen currently there's a problem that a lot of people have and another thing I want to say is this Chelsea won't last if I end something there with Chelsea Chelsea had have an issue that they're not addressing they're talking about they created so many chances maybe not clear cuts because the XG was really low but they created some chances the shots on target did not really match the way they dominated that game one so it means they have a striker issue, but the fact that they are blaming the referee is sort of taking away their attention from the fact that offensively, they, you know, the goal they didn't really score. They couldn't really convincingly, convincingly, you know, take advantage of the chances that came their way, and that's why I think. Excuse me. That's why I think. That's why I think. Um, they have they have issues that they are not really trying to address, but this is one of those things that we we see end up happening. They have they have work to do though. I think offensively, I think they're trying to get in Obama Young. That's who they're trying to get in. But people are talking about his relationship with Tukel at Dortmund, which is some years ago. I remember him and Tukel. He was at Dortmund manager, and then it was 2017 or 2016, if I'm not mistaken, when he was manager at Dortmund. I think they knocked out Dortmund knocked out Spurs in Europe. Obama Young, I think he scored a hat trick or so in that game. I can't remember though, but. You know they have a green, but what about now? Is he really the same guy as he was back then? And that's where questions are are, are popping up. But we'll see. We'll see how that signing goes, though. We'll see how it goes. If they get that sign over the line, we'll see. Yeah. But that's yeah. And then with other news, apart from the whole refereeing stuff, um, there's Destiny Udoji. Udoji is likely going to be announced. I think he's doing his medical today, so maybe get announced to you tomorrow with sports. And then get loaned back to Dinesi, and then you know, Spurs have their man for next season. And yeah, then um, I think that's all. Nothing much to say. But then with Conte, he's going to get rescinded. Hopefully, he gets rescinded. I really hope he gets rescinded. I really do. Because um, I think it's really unfair that he got sent off. I really hope it does. It was all or something that 2K started. It's just. Then Conte, and a lot of Chelsea fans are saying that we've lost respect for Conte. I was like, listen, you want to even saying? You guys fired the guy. You know, you're talking about less respect. At that point, the fact that you can lose respect for your ex-managers because of this. I mean, what does that tell you? 
maybe you guys are not really as loyal as you think you are. You what about tomorrow? 2K manages a club tomorrow that you don't like, and then you probably lose it. You know, people, I know about football fans, they never understand that in the heat of the game, football, all these things you are talking about, you're trying to win on the day. You're not really caring about all this respect and all these things that push your trouble. Anyway, it's ready. But yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, um, we play against Wolves next weekend. If he, if he's too, if Conte doesn't take over, of shit, take over that game, it's like gonna be Ryan Mason. Well, um, going forward, I expect our forward line, our, I saw the change in your formation, especially in the wing backs role. I expect Persis to start. I expect Doherty to start right wing back because for me, Royal didn't really look. Good. I don't think, I don't think we need to be as defensive. Yeah, obviously we have to be defensively aware, but very, very defensive. As we are, as we were against Chelsea, and probably like uh, with Wolves, you know they'll be probably leave you, give you, give us chances behind, behind, and I think we have to capitalize. I think Perez should be very good for that game. It looks because especially when he came on, changed the game against Chelsea. I think that game against Wolves would be very enough for him to just nail down his spot as left wing back and just, you know, just fly. You know, for me, I think I just. Remember. Thanks for listening. Um, have a nice week, and um, I'll see you guys bye Thursday. Take care, bye.